We here at Alladate and Audio Map are proud to now be available through iHeartRadio and tune in. This is James Beaudry. I am 37 and I'm the artistic director at Timberlake Playhouse in Mount Carroll, Illinois, and I live in Chicago, Illinois. Some people come to just be entertained. Um, and some people come for new perspectives and to experience things that they might not experience in their own lives with the safety of the distance of being in an audience versus being in the situation. Um, but what we try to do is because we program we try to program something for both of those camps um, so that people who subscribe, and ideally we want people to see more than just one thing, um, will see something that, that fulfills the entertainment and then they might be surprised by something else. Um, so this year we did um, Having Our Say the Delaney Sisters First Hundred Years, which is two African-American women who lived into their hundreds, sisters, talking about their lives and their sort of accidental place in history. Um, and it's great when people give feedback on that, thinking, oh, we thought this would be boring, but it was so entertaining and so funny and so, more, so much more interesting than we thought it would be because they had the expectation that this was going to be a history lesson but they were still entertained. Um, and it works the other way too. When you're doing something like Titanic, for example, that it's not a comedy, um, but it, it's an entertainment. There's a lot of spectacle in it, um, but we frame it in a way that focuses on the third class and the arrival of a refugee in America at the end that I don't think our audience leaves consciously going, wow, we really have to do something about the refugee crisis in Europe. But for us, we can, we can start that conversation in a way that doesn't alienate people who are here just to be entertained. But we can still plant that idea in it. So it's kind of manipulative, but I think that's how you balance the art versus entertainment aspect. You know, there's something about, I live in Chicago, I'm very disillusioned with theater in Chicago, with the exception of some of the larger regional theaters there, because there's a lot of people doing theater for people who do theater, as opposed to doing theater for an audience and doing theater about the times we live in. They, they think they are, but they're not reaching people. Um, they're not reaching the average person, I think. They're reaching other artists who are their friends who are coming to see art. Um, and how do you reach beyond the sort of artist class? Um, whereas we're in a rural area, and um, 
audience comes from a long way away. Um, and to me, it's it's about the shared experience. Theater, theater is about being in a place with a lot of other people and experiencing something together. Um, and that's the magic of live performance. So I think when you're dealing with you have your content, whatever the whatever the story is, whatever the theme is, all of those things, and then you put 400 people who've all come from different lives uh, in the room, and they those 400 people experience it together. There's a there's a communal, almost church-like aspect to it, um, which might sound sort of self-important, but the, <laughs> that's where the power is because you can transform people with storytelling. We, this year we started uh, an artistic framework that we use to look at everything we produce um, that looks at content, creativity, craft, and cause. And I think a lot of people, you know, the content is the, the writing, the script, the, the music, whatever. Um, the creativity is what we're doing with it on our stage. The craft is just the sort of technical execution of that. But the cause is about the audience. Why are we doing this show now? And what is the what is the moral message of it? What is the... And sometimes that's pure entertainment. A funny thing happened on the way to the forum is not going to change the world, except that maybe some people can get together and have a good time. Um, but it's important to think about the cause and then make sure that the other things are adding up to what you want the cause to be. So, you know, how do you change the world <laughs> with theater? I don't know if you can, but if you can change somebody's mind about one thing or get people to start talking or thinking differently about something, you've succeeded. One of the advantages is lack of competition. <laughs> And I don't mean that from like a bottom line standpoint, but because there aren't 300 theaters in the county as there are in Chicago, people who want to go to the theater basically come to us, which gives us a really interesting position when we're programming. Because we can, we can do you know, a show like Rock of Ages, which we know will sell to a certain demographic who might not normally come to the theater. But within that same season, we can slip in a show like Having Our Say, which is going to bring a perspective to a very white county that they won't necessarily see. Um, and so we, we have that luxury that people are going to buy tickets because there's nowhere else to go. Whereas in Chicago, you can pick and choose what you want to see. And you could, if you like one certain kind of theater, you could see that every night of the year, probably, and not go to something else. Um, that said, the challenge then is, um, it's, it's really a generational thing, I think. Um, this is an area where a lot of people leave when they're young and then people come back to the area when they retire. So there's sort of an age gap um, from about college to mid-40s. Um, and we, you know, we do have, that's not a hard and fast rule, uh, we have subscribers of all ages, but um, 
when you see cultural shifts, it tends to take longer here, maybe 10, 20 years. Um, things we do on stage now, we couldn't do 15 years ago. But still, we do a play like The Big Meal, which was hugely awarded in Chicago and New York. Brilliant piece of theater, but they say fuck 36 times. So no matter how brilliant the situation is or the story of the American family and our rituals of going out to eat at generic chain restaurants and what that has to say about our lives, some people can't get past the 36 fucks. So you, you deal with that and you, you, shoot, you say, okay, well, how essential is this to the storytelling? Is this going to activate the audience in a way that we want to activate them, or is it not necessary? And if it's not necessary, then you go back and ask the licensing company if you can change it. But content is, we push the envelope with things that pushed the envelope in the early to mid 90s other places. But you also want to dignify those audience members. You don't want to write them off. You want to say, you're concerned about this and we hear that and so if you you know if you don't like adult language or whatever you want to call it you know here's here's an alternative thing that you might want to see um, it's kind of exhausting dealing with that um, or dealing with you know any kind of sexual content that some people just shut down if they experience it um, but we'll do it. Uh, it's just, you can't, you can't just do something I would direct in Chicago, this musical called Murder Ballad, that did very well, it extended and was a big hit and got nominated for these awards. And one of our board members said, could we do that here? And I said, absolutely not, because it's not worth the, the, the negative reaction I know we would get for language and content from, a minority of the audience, but a very vocal minority. And then you go, well, well, you know, why do that then? Is it gonna, something like The Big Meal has a lot to say thematically. Murder Bell is more of a edgy contemporary entertainment. So it's not worth, it's not worth the struggle as far as I'm concerned. I'm, I'm kind of proud that over the last few years, we've just sort of done it and said, this is going to have these things in it. And if you don't like that, maybe give your tickets to someone else for that show. Um, did we have fewer people in the audience? Maybe, but I'd rather be honest and upfront with people than have them feel like they were tricked into buying a ticket for whatever reason. And again, it's a very, it's a very small percentage. Most people just see it and go on with it. Hi, this is Mick, the producer and host of Alidade and AudioMap, and I just wanted to break into the program briefly. Uh, first of all, to thank you all for listening. Uh, I also like to extend our gratitude to uh, iTunes and their affiliate program. Uh, if you're listening to this program right now, chances are really good you found it through iTunes, and we just wanted to show uh, them a little love. Now, if you uh, like this episode or any previous episode that you have listened to, please, 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 uh, consider subscribing on uh, iTunes. It's free, 
doesn't cost you anything, of course, and it helps uh, us with rankings in terms of where we are in the catalog. And if you like these episodes so much that you would like to sponsor future episodes, uh, if you go to our website at alladadepodcast.com, there'll be a link to the sponsorship page that will uh, show you how you can do that. We uh, break it down uh, in terms of three episodes, six episodes, or a full 12 episodes, which is actually a full, uh, a full season here at Alladade. So uh, please take a look at that if you uh, would like to sponsor future episodes. Uh, and now, back to the story. You look at the television that people watch, especially in the age of Netflix and Amazon and on-demand streaming services. Nothing we do here comes close to what happens on House of Cards or something. Um, So it, it sometimes startles me when people are upset about it, but I feel like sometimes people will complain regardless. We got a letter about the sound in Titanic saying that it was like torture and abuse because it was too loud, and I thought this person needs to talk to someone because, I mean, they went to great lengths to type a letter about something that could have been mentioned to an usher, you know. some people just need to complain. There's a lot of anger in the Chicago theater community um, about who has the right to tell certain stories, whether it's the story is about an ethnicity and a white person was cast in a role that was written for a Latino actor initially. Um, and I, I see that, and we're very conscious of that, and most, most people are, but there's a lot of anger and um, lack of listening and understanding and forgiveness um, I, and I see it bubbling up and I see I hear people talk about I don't want to do theater because even the theater community is coming at each other in ways that aren't helpful or productive and that doesn't mean that their points of view are invalid it's just that there's this aggression in it um, and I don't know I don't know what it is that has made people maybe more vocal about it, with good reason, but at the same time, if you're going to bring up a problem and there's no clear solution, you know, you when you know better, you do better, and sometimes that's that's how you have to, to approach it, but w- because we're isolated out here, when we hire from all over the country, we're sort of off the radar enough that we don't have to deal with that. Um, but it does make me nervous. I look at, I think about what kind of programming do we do 
for the sake of other theater artists so that they don't attack us on social media or whatever. And I don't, I don't want to think that way. I want to think that we could pick anything and find the right people to do it and tell that story to any audience. Um, and maybe that's naive of me. But when you look at that in the broader context, that is a symptom of what's going on in the whole culture where people are much more reactionary, I think, than they were four years ago, even, in terms of, I feel this and I am correct. Um, and it's polarizing, and it's polarizing to me from, I consider myself a liberal, but I'm polarized from other people I know who consider themselves liberals because of these minute differences in how we feel about healthcare. And ultimately, we want the same goal. Um, I think it's made me, seeing all of this, it's made me step back and go, okay, well, I need to, I need to listen more than I did. So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe I, maybe it's making me less reactionary. I hope so. But in the context of theater, how do you communicate in that world? You know, how do you, if, if I'm feeling that within the theater community, what is our audience bringing to the performances? What, what, what world are they walking out of and wanting to see a play? And how do you, how do you, how do you deal with that? Um, and I don't know what the answer is. I think we're in a place of... People, people want their opinions validated. That's human nature. And I don't, I don't want to be that person who says the internet has changed the way we think, but I think it has. I think the ability to like something or to sh have, have something you've done be shared, it, it, it's a psychological trigger. And we want more of that. And so we want that in real life. Um, and separating opinion from fact is really hard for a lot of people. Um, so, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what the answer is, but I know that our ticket sales are up, so that's good. People, people want to come and share stories, and maybe the safety of, the safety of being an audience with hundreds of other people, maybe that, maybe that's something that is easier for people than talking about things and dissecting issues in real life. I don't know, but um, in terms of ticket sales, it is harder because of all the noise out there. You have to, you have to, it's just marketing for everything though. You have to find a way to reach people and sell them on the thing that, um, you have to make them want to see the story. And because the world is becoming more fragmented, you have to figure out how to sell one story to 15 different demographics. Um, so it's sort of a nonstop marketing problem, but I think that's everywhere. I don't know. I think the visceral experience of watching performance, though, is going to always live on as long as we can continue to surprise people. What's the word? Uh, not divert. Like interrupt their expectations with the stories we tell.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Alidade and Audio Map. We will be back in two weeks with another episode. We'd also like to take some time to thank our new affiliate partners, Mr. Art, the world's largest online arts and supply store, which offers free shipping on orders over $200, and Art Naturals, specializing in premium quality natural health and beauty products. They offer free shipping on all orders uh, over $4.99. We'd also like to thank our new affiliate partner, interserver.net, which offers virtual web hosting starting at $6.95 a month. Please take some time to visit our homepage at alladatepodcast.com and check out their links. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider subscribing to us uh, on iTunes or through Podbean or Stitcher. This is Mick Parsons, the producer here at Alladate and AudioMap. Thanks again for listening.